the endocannabinoid system. It regulates happiness and pain and digestive systems. We didn't discover that until we were researching cannabis. Hey everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. These are the last days of prohibition. And this show seeks to feature the stories of the founders, the investors, the marketers that are bridging the gap. The day of getting a little dime bag from your guy on the corner is done. It's not happening. David, thanks so much for being here. Why don't you tell us uh, just what is Cannabis Reports? Sure, so um, Cannabis Reports is basically a big, huge platform of cannabis data, and we're trying to build some technology for an open cannabis future. Got it. So what does that all entail? I mean, you, you talk about data and cannabis, but what, what kind of data is there? So, I mean, we have data on everything, um, anything from the, the strains and, and the seeds, then the companies that make those seeds, um, all the way down to the chocolates that you consume and lab tests for those chocolates and the companies that make them. Um, pretty much if it has to do with cannabis, we've got data on it. Got it. So I can go on Cannabis Reports mm -hmm. and search for a strain or an edible, or how does that work? Take me through the experience. Yeah, so um, we have everything organized by flowers, um, extracts, edibles, and products. Um, and we've actually um, taken the whole idea of a strain and separated that from the flowers as well. So you can actually see an individual flower grown by a particular cultivator and find where that cultivator's flowers are um, in different locations around you. And for everything in our system, we got a big find nearby button. And so we can show you immediately the closest delivery company or dispensary, um, how much it costs, and, and you can find the product that you're looking for regardless of where you go to buy it. And why is it so important that we have that background data, that people are informed about where their cannabis comes from? Well, it's, um, it, it gives people the opportunity to elevate their conversations about cannabis. So um, there's still a huge stigma uh, surrounding cannabis that has to do directly with education and how much people know about it. And um, even if people don't you know, need to know the farm where it came from or the lab where it was tested, given the, the ability to access that information makes them more comfortable having those types of conversations. They know they can talk about lab testing or talk about farms because it's available to them. Mm. Um, and without that availability and, and that transparency, um, it leaves us, you know, kind of still talking about indica sativa hybrid and yeah. leaving it at that. Right, yeah. No, I love that you brought up the stigma. That's, mm -hmm. that's a theme that we discuss on this show all the time. And I believe that if people are more educated, they will have less negative experience with cannabis, right? right. I think anybody that tries cannabis and has a negative experience, either they have the wrong strain Right, they get the couch lock, or they're really paranoid. They had too mm -hmm. much of something, or they just they just have too much right. in general, right? And I think those dosages and that education is is why something like this is so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from the from the consumer standpoint, it's it's really helpful for people to be able to have an open place where they can develop their own relationship with cannabis um, at their pace and with as much education available to them as they need. Um, right now, you know, we're still sort of stuck um, in people relying on their bud tender or relying on their friends and not really having a place to go explore on their own. Um, and we provide a, a really big environment with a bunch of data and a bunch of cool stuff to look at so they can, uh, they can learn how they want to. Yeah, one of my big frustrations for looking up stuff like this, reviews or testing or whatever is, mm -hmm. let's say you have a, a Blue Dream, yep. right? And there's 37 different kinds of Blue Dream all over California. Mm -hmm. How do you rectify that? I mean, how do you say that my Blue Dream is the same on Cannabis Reports Blue Dream? So that basically has to do with um, understanding cannabis a little bit uh, deeper and understanding that, uh, yes, there is a strain called Blue Dream, 
but that strain um, gets turned into many different types of the cannabis flower, um, whether it's shake or seeds or clone or buds. And those particular flowers were grown by one cultivator. And so when you start to identify cannabis by saying, this is Blue Dream from this seed company that was grown by this cultivator, then it's okay that there's 37 or 40 or 140 different Blue Dreams. Right. Because you're not just saying Blue Dream anymore. You're not just saying Chardonnay, you're saying Kendall Jackson's Chardonnay. Right. And that level of specificity is, is what we have um, at Cannabis Reports. Yeah, I think the wine analogy really does make that much sense. I mean, people mm -hmm. like to make that connection so much, but I think when we talk about genealogy, yep. uh, that really, really does oh, the hit home. Yeah, well, yeah. That's, that's where we really shine. I mean, yeah. that's where everything started was, was in identifying, you know, where do things come from? Where are the land races that produced all these flavors and effects that, that I like? Yeah. Um, we have that information um, in spades. <laughs> so tell us about the beginning. You said where, where we started. It was yep. called something different at, at first, right? Well, yep. So originally it was called Smoke Reports. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I started it in 2008 um, following Overgrow.com shutting down, okay. which uh, was previously our, our largest online source of cannabis information. There was about 6 million posts in a forum, um, pre-Facebook you know, popularity, big time days. So um, it was a huge amount of information. And uh, websites were popping up. Uh, um, Weed Maps actually started around 2008. Okay. Um, Leafly a couple years later, and yep. they were talking about strains, but they weren't talking about the seed companies um, that have been developing these strains for decades that that deserved the recognition. You know, Greenhouse Seeds, um, Flying Dutchman Seed Company, Sensi Seeds, all of these companies in the Le Netherlands and throughout the U.S. as well um, were just getting ignored. So um, I started Smoke Reports as as a research project. You know, how can we, how can we uh, track all of these strains and make sure that that data doesn't go anywhere again? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so we, I, I, you know, pulled open the big book of buds and, uh, and every other, you know, piece of information I could yep. get and threw all the strains into a database and that was smoke reports. And, and how did you do that? I mean, what is that process <laughs> like to take Ed Rosenthal's book yep. and get it into a, uh, you know, actionable uh, right. data set? How does that work? It was, um, it was months of, of manual research. So, I mean, you know, I mentioned the big book of buds, but there was, there was hundreds of sources. I was talking to um, seed company owners online. I was getting people to scan me old Grateful Dead handouts. I was getting, wow. I mean, just anything. And you I were could manually get, entering them. Manually entering, yeah. Wow. So I had to parse all of this data. And then, you know, I was cleaning it up as I, as I went. Um, if I found, you know, two different people that were mentioning Afghani number one, it's like, well, who's Afghani number one are you talking about? Um, because that's important and it means something. Mm -hmm. And so getting all that in the database, um, I did the first, it was about 2,750 strains of research, um, including all of the genetics where they all came, came from. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and there, was, there was good scientific reasons for doing that and there continues to be. And um, so now we have a recommendation engine based on the genetics as well too. I mean. Oh, fantastic. Tell, yeah. tell us a little bit about that. So um, when you look at a cannabis strain like, um, like Jack Herrera or Skunk Number no. 1 or AK-47, um, you can actually go um, up the parental lineage. So the parents of this were the parents of this, um, all the way back to the countries where they came from. Mm -hmm. So this is Mexican and Thai and South African. Or um, this one is Afghani and Nepalese and uh, Brazilian. And with all that sort of backfilled information, when you fill out a review um, on cannabis reports, we apply that information to all of the strains that exist in the parental lineage. Got it. So you end up building your own unique profile of all of these different land races that you've never actually tried before, mm -hmm. 
But as you start to fill out more reviews, you start to expose that, oh, wow, tie strains make me creative and mm. euphoric. Mm. Or I get very strong pain relief from South Indian and Brazilian genetics. And then we can go back down the chain, look at everything around you and say, hey, Brazilian and South Indian works great for pain relief for mm. you. There's a strain called Shark Shock over at this place over here. It's this much. You should try it because it's probably going to work pretty good for pain relief for you. Wow. And so important to get that level of detail. Mm -hmm. Anybody, any uh, you know, scientist or doctor, they would suggest if you're looking for pain relief or right. you have a certain ailment and you find something that works for you, mm -hmm. stick with it. Exactly. Right. And so being able to, to know exactly what you need and where yep. to get it, tremendously powerful. Right. And it's, it's also having a tool to discover what you like and what you need is also a very powerful thing for people too. Yep. Um, because a lot of people know what they like, but um, a lot more people don't have any clue what they like. Yeah. Especially new patients. How, especially. how, how would they know? Okay. So that's kind of the consumer side, right? Mm -hmm. And it's tremendous value. But then there's also a, a huge backend component to this. Mm -hmm. You have an open API that partners are building on top of, correct? Yep. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, so it was um, really important to me, um, you know, coming, coming from a, a past where I saw all of our data get lost, um, it was extremely important to me that the data that we were creating and organizing didn't get lost again. Mm -hmm. And so um, took a very huge concerted effort to publish all of the data in an open place um, with great documentation so that developers and technologists could start, um, start somewhere mm -hmm. and start with something instead of just starting from scratch and taking it on somebody's word that this is blue dream or this is, you know. Right. Um, so uh, we built out a huge API and we've got, um, I think, 60 or 70 different questions you can ask our database. Okay. Um, and people are building all kinds of apps now or doing research with the data. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's been a really interesting experience to see how people are using it. Yeah. And this became particularly relevant about a month ago, so, or maybe mm -hmm. a little more than that. Uh, Leafly, which uh, you might disagree, but was widely regarded as, as probably the leader mm -hmm. in this space for some time. Uh, they had a very robust API that many other developers, companies, it was the backbone of their company, this data set, much right. like Twitter has been for other companies, or et cetera. And they decided to close that down. Yep. And this presents a really big opportunity for you, <laughs> no? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, you know, we, uh, we don't really have that type of philosophy um, in our company is that, you know, there's this like thing that's ripe for the taking or that it suddenly belongs to us or um, it just so happens that they don't have an API at the moment. Mm. And we happen to be there with a tremendous amount of data to help mm. folks out. Um, but we'd be thrilled as hell if they brought an API back and people could continue to build um, there's, there's enough room for, for people to, to um, continue to present technology to the space. So. Well, that's a very PC answer. And, <laughs> no, and you clearly come from an open source background. Yeah. Uh, but this is a tremendous opportunity. <laughs> it was, it, it's been very nice. Um, uh, we've, we've definitely um, gotten a lot of feedback from developers who were very frustrated with the platform prior to it shutting down. Okay. Um, so it has been um, very nice to be able to fill that space and be able to give developers direct access to, to resources where they can build cool technology. Um, so now we have people all over the world that we're working with um, you know, on almost a day-to-day -day basis. Um, very closely as opposed to uh, previously technologists couldn't get any support and they couldn't get any feedback and they couldn't see these new features being developed. And so taking on that role has been, uh, has been pretty cool. How many uh, API keys are we talking about? How many people using it? Um, I mean, we've issued uh, lots of API keys. Um, we have lots of registered users. Um, we 
just hit about a thousand um, IP addresses from around the world have hit our API in some fashion. Okay. Um, with uh, hundreds of thousands of requests since we've opened up, so we've delivered um, gigabytes and gigabytes of cannabis data to. Um, all sorts of different folks. And, and what time period is that? When, when did you open it up? Um, so we opened the API, um, I want to say four to six months ago, okay. somewhere in there. And then we, um, we did a press release on it to kind of let people know that it was out there. And, and um, now, I mean, if you search for Cannabis API, I mean, we're, we're right there. And um, so it's, it's very popular and, and we get API requests um, pretty much daily. Yeah, but but you're not the only ones uh, mm -hmm. that have a potential great opportunity to fill this this void, right? I mean, right. there's uh, others in the space. I mean, what do you say to the other competitors? I mean, why why is Cannabis Reports the best source for that data? I mean, um, because we don't really believe that there's a, a winner or that there's an owner of the data. Um, the data itself belongs to people and belongs to cannabis, and so. Um, with that sort of mind frame and that mindset, it allows us to build in a much more open way and a much more collaborative way um, that might not exist at, at some of the other companies. And um, so that gives us sort of a one up because uh, uh, the cannabis community likes openness. Mm. Uh, so, um, but yeah, you, you know, you say competitors in the space um, and we, we just don't really even use competitors um, because the data that we have, the amount of organization we've done, the structure that we've done, there really isn't anybody else out there that's done it. And so we, we think of everybody as potential partners. Mm. Um, and if Leafly came to us and said, hey, you know, we have more eyeballs than you do, and we, we continue to have this, this advantage of you know, um, space in the market, and said, can we use your data and make our data better? I'd be like, hell yes, because you're gonna be helping people sure. and educating people. Um, so it's just, it, I don't know, maybe I'm just a hippie a little bit or an arts guy, I don't know. <laughs> so uh, I'm a little bit of a hippie myself as well, nothing wrong with that. Uh, but we do still have to make money. True. Right, so yeah. is this data available for free in the world? I mean, how, how do you guys make money? So the data is available for free and um, with, with the background that I have in technology and, and working with big data, um, we make the accessibility to that data available to producers and retailers in the space. So um, they pay a, a nominal monthly fee to be able to kind of participate in this whole open sort of cannabis environment we have. Um, and all the data they publish there then ends up showing up on apps and websites and all of these other places. Um, and then they get access to the data as well through you know, visual charts and um, CSV data dumps and all kinds of different things that help them run their business. Got it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, can, I just cannot uh, shy away from the theme here, which yeah. is basically like, is cannabis going to be an open source forum? Right. Or is this gonna be a private sort of uh, me versus you type community? I mean, it, right. it literally is an Apple, Google, iOS, Android debate. Right. Do you, do you see that similarity? Is it that I, clear to you as well? Absolutely, or? I mean, it, it totally is. Um, and, and it was very interesting um, trying to explain that to uh, investors and stuff, because we have a lot of sort of traditional um, investors in, in the company. and. Well, yeah, it's really um, a data company, right? That, right. Which is there's yeah. yeah, it's it's a big it's yeah. a big open data and organization company, yeah. and um, and a lot of companies that we're working with now are starting to see that that we solve a huge need of organizing and presenting good data to them, so they can do their company better. If they're a delivery service or a delivery app, they should worry about being really awesome at that. They shouldn't worry about how do they organize fifty thousand different products 
in the space. That's just, that's absolutely, that's redundant. Yeah, so. let them focus on what they do really exactly. well. Now I sell like I'm selling on fleet during the day. That's yeah. what I pitch no, to. So. <laughs> you deliver flowers and do yep. what you do really well. We'll worry about the logistics. It, yeah, so, but it's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's giving <clears throat> small business owners and giving technologists this underlying tools to use so that they can do their jobs better. Yeah. Um, and, and let us handle the complexity of the, the industry and, and the data structures because uh, they're not going to get it. So <laughs> clearly, uh, you're a little cut above the normal stoner in this industry. Uh, and I just wonder, where did all this fantastic data knowledge and skill come from? Where did you build that? Um, I mean, I, I have a Commodore 64 tattoo, so I've been on computers for my whole okay. life. Yeah. Um, and uh, in terms of data stuff, I worked in um, uh, retail energy trading um, for a, a, a big, huge energy company um, and learned a tremendous amount about presenting data and munching on data and organizing data um, to create actionable you know, insights and um, brought, a lot that to, brought a lot of that to the, the cannabis space and to the technology that we continue to build. Mm -hmm. um, but mostly I'm just obsessed with cannabis, every, everything about it. I read all the, all the papers that come out, academic papers, uh, yep. phytocannabinoid synthesis process. If you if you search cannabinoid synthesis, I was the first one to chart it. Oh wow! I mean, so wow. I, I'm just a, I'm just a geek for cannabis. Yeah, man. <laughs> that's what it's about. That's what it's about. But I mean, it's fascinating to watch people apply their domain expertise mm -hmm. in other things to this industry. Yep. I mean, that's so much of what this show is about. Is you know whether that's in data or in banking or mm -hmm. in delivery. You know, taking that that knowledge and, and applying it to cannabis is the future. That's the only way we Absolutely. get we get to where we're going. Right? Well, yeah, and I think it's I think it's important um, for a lot of people that are getting into the space to recognize what they don't know um, and accept that instead of just trying to rebuild it you know, from the ground up over and over. And so we're starting to um, see some institutional companies where it's like, you know, if you want to participate in seed to sale, you probably better be talking to Biotrack or MJ Freeway or like, and that's just, you know, those are becoming pillars that, sure. are, that are becoming industrial uh, uh, I guess, well, pillars, I guess is a good yeah. word for it. I mean, yeah. they're, they're there all the time and they're going to continue to grow and get bigger. Yeah, um, and I think you're becoming very top of mind too. I mean, I, you told me you did an episode with Market, or episode, an interview with Market Watch earlier yeah. today, correct? What is it like when a, a mainstream sort of outlet like that approaches mm -hmm. you and says, let's <laughs> talk about cannabis? I mean, uh, so that actually is the most exciting piece to me. I mean, I've, since me I've been doing this for a long time and I, I was very involved in a lot of legalization stuff and I've, I've been protesting and working with you know, that for a while, it's extremely exciting to see um, non-cannabis publications really be interested in the space um, and really give it some credence because it's been around for a while. It's just nobody, nobody gave it the time of day, kind of, you know? Yeah, it's fascinating. It seems to be this like groundswell where we're the gateway incubator in Oakland, which I, I still can't imagine that there is a it's cannabis nuts. incubator, but <laughs> we're here and I'm here and there's four walls. Anyway, amazing. Yeah. So what is next for you guys? I mean, you've, you've made all this data, you've compiled what sounds like just an amazing amount of knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what's next? So, I mean, one of the biggest things that we're trying to do right now is sort of this, this idea of an open cannabis future. Um, really be able to see if there's a possibility of introducing some open standards and some open ways about communicating um, about cannabis so that we can invite everybody to be able to participate at an equal level. Um, there's some, you know, some legislative stuff and there's some different laws that are going to be passed over the next five or ten years. But if we as, uh, as an industry and as a community can decide, you know, these are some standards that we all adopt and that we all think are okay, 
um, and do that in the open and amongst ourselves, I think that there's incredible power behind that. And so that's what we're sort of, um, we're trying to use our data and our amount of data for good and for, for openness, so. That's amazing. That sounds like a mission statement. <laughs> it's it, it's very much as part of our mission. Yeah. 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 No. Very cool. So, uh, how expensive is that mission? <laughs> and are you raising money? Uh, you know, what does your runway look like? Here? Um, I mean, so we've we've capitalized to uh, 1.2 million. Um, we yes, we have money in the bank. Um, we we run a really scrappy small team. Yeah. Um, not much overhead here, right? No. Probably a lot um, of server space. That's have remote uh, employees in multiple states. Um, um, and, uh, you know, the idea is, as you mentioned the mission, I mean, we, we're a very mission-oriented company. Um, I was, when I moved to the Silicon Valley, being a technologist, I was extremely disappointed in, in the technology and the companies that were popping up and sort of the, the trend of uh, kids coming out of college and playing house with investor money mm. and, mm. Um, you know, creating apps that did nothing yep. um, and didn't really help technology or help people yep. in any meaningful way. And so um, we run a very mission-oriented company that tries to, we all know we save money together so that we can present better stuff to the public and better education and better services. Yeah, um, so. fascinating that you bring that up because in the first part of 2016, we're seeing a serious trend mm -hmm. of less and less investment, particularly at the early stages. Mm -hmm. And it's forcing companies to be what I call real, right. basically, right? I mean, add real value. When are you going to be profitable? Right. Uh, cool that you see it from that angle as well. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and just outside of profitability, you know, do you have actual real technology? Yeah. Do you is have something anything predictable here? Basically? Right, and is it is it interesting, and is this innovative, or is it? Did you take something, you know, wrap it up, put a cannabis bow on it, and now you're trying? I mean, um, so yeah, I, I think that uh, investors are getting a lot more savvy, um, particularly in the cannabis space. There's been a lot of burns now. Um, most of the public investments and stuff have been totally bust. The and penny so, stocks, crazy. I mean, yeah, and so it's. Um, We've seen a lot of, uh, of that as well, um, mm -hmm. people getting wary of the space. So we talked about protectable. What, what is protectable about cannabis reports? Um, I mean, there's, there's some stuff that's protectable, uh, possibly. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not a tremendous thing that I think about a lot. Um, being a big open company, you know, we plan on releasing a lot of open source software and, and releasing a lot of our stuff open. Um, We've developed some cool algorithms and our yeah, recommendations. Recommendation engine, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's possibly protectable, pretty cool stuff. Um, but again, there's, there's a lot more important things to do at the moment. And we have customers that um, we're helping every day that are paying us monthly. And that's what's important to us right now is continuing to, to serve and grow that customer base. What's up, IC fans? We are at the new home of investing in cannabis gateway in Oakland, California. It's really in two parts. So there's an incubator where they're gonna help 10 companies get investment and press and you know advice. And they've asked me to be a mentor here, which is awesome. Thanks again, guys. Also gonna be the new home of investing in cannabis. So we're gonna do most of our shows here. It's a great space. In addition to the incubator, which you have to be accepted for, there's also Gateway Works which is just a really cool place where you can come and buy a desk, a monthly desk, right? I think it's 350 for the month. Get away from your roommates. You don't have to worry about having a stuck up landlord. It's hard to find desk space, hard to find a place to work in the cannabis world. And then you can be a part of this cannabis entrepreneur uh, community as well. And you can benefit from the other founders. Great synergy here. If you've never been in a co-working space, it's like the way to start a company. 
they're huge, huge hemp production um, in Eastern Asia and and um, and lots of other much larger countries um, with bigger populations. Yeah. So um, hemp is, I mean, yeah, cannabis has been around us for a long time. Mm. We just sort of forgot about it over here, but yeah, I forgot or were intentionally made to forget. <laughs> Uh, well, obviously, intentionally. I mean, it was imposed upon us, but um, but it's been a relatively small amount of time frame when you consider the amount of time that cannabis has had an impact on humans. If you look at like the early agrarian um, societies and like the way that that humans moved around the earth, I mean, they were chasing after you know bountiful uh, plant resources. So like a lot of the stuff, you know, a lot of the the Europeans they settled near coastlines that had huge amounts of seaweed they could eat. And I mean, um, do, have you read uh, any of Robert Connell Clark? He wrote Marijuana Botany back in the day, like which was the original kind of Bible of cannabis. Um, but uh, he goes into really, really awesome, cool stories um, about the history of cannabis um, cool. from a from a human perspective, yeah. and talks about you know thousands of years ago how they, yeah people people drug around their cannabis plants with them miles and miles and miles and mm. continued to use it as resources and seeds would drop off along the way yeah. and you know the more recent research that's kind of debunking the indica sativa norm, yeah but it's right? uh, that's a societal thing though scientists haven't used indica sativa hybrid mm. for 10 15 years okay. Like it's not been an accepted God. scientific thing it's for just a while catching up basically well so um, Basically, what happened is consumers needed a way to have simple words to describe the the sort of different feelings that had to go with it. Yeah, and and generally speaking, like yeah, they used to be scientific terms during the seventies and eighties, uh -huh. and the high THC stuff was generally called sativa, and then you had indica, which was not so high THC with other stuff in it. Mm. It was more couch locky, and mm. they became consumer terms. But yeah, I mean, just anecdotally, I guess I've known this for some time. Right. Because I'll often wake up in the morning and mm -hmm. have a little indica. Right. And I feel energized. Right. Because, because that word is meaningless. It's meaningless, yeah. right? Because of the work of really awesome seed companies, um, breeders continue to go throughout the world and find land-raised stuff that's been grown for generations in the same area yeah. that has unique characteristics that, that make, you know, make those things special. So. Yeah. So you'll notice we have jacker flowers from these multiple cultivators. Mm -hmm. So you do have that separation and that specificity. Sure, yeah. And then when you go to the strain itself, you can see the seed company that it came from, find mm -hmm. information about that. Um, but then the parental lineage is what I was talking about. So we know that jacker is NL5, skunk number one, and haze. Yeah. If we take the parents of those, and the parents of those, and the parents of those, eventually we stop at the countries. So we know that jacker is Afghani, Indian, Thai, Colombian, and Mexican. Mm -hmm. And so when we start to fill out reviews that go all the way back to these land races, then we can pull back and come the other way too. And so you start to discover like Colombian makes me feel this, mm. Indian makes me feel it. And, and that, that's such a much cooler that's and, an ele and, and empowering better. moment. It right, is. As a consumer. Right. right. You, you're yeah. just like, now I know why I liked that. Right. Right. And you start to, you start to understand like, oh, this flavor that I like from this sour diesel, like I find this in other strains that have Pakistani land races mm. in it. Mm. And then it's like, oh, maybe that flavor is from there possibly. Mm. There's very few places on earth that create strains that allow for the V-side stuff to actually occur. Mm -hmm. um, it's been found in really specific regions in Thailand. It's been found in really specific regions in Africa. 
but that's solely based on where that strain was cultivated for many years and was able to gain those traits and do that. Yeah. And so absolutely. Much like the soil associated with growing grapes to make wine, right? It's, it's such right. a similar. And, but the soil is only one piece of it. Yeah. It's yeah. the climate, it's the rain, it's the temperature, it's all of that stuff. Ultimately what we run into a lot is people are very busy doing their own stuff that they don't have the time to build technology stuff with others um, as much as they'd like to. The endocannabinoid system, which is basically like our internal system that exists in all mammals and most animals, um, it regulates happiness and pain and digestive systems and all kinds of, it's, it's a very, very important system in our body. We didn't discover that um, until we were researching cannabis. And exactly like we were, you know, sending people to the moon with NASA, what we got out of it was, you know, medical research and medical devices and mathematics and programming and all these ancillary things when we were just trying to go to the moon. So um, I think doing that with cannabis, uh, we, can, we can open up a lot of doors and discover a lot of things for sure. Well, we've come to my favorite part of the episode here. <laughs> I'm always fascinated by the guests, you know, personal consumption of cannabis, because mm -hmm. that's what we're all here doing. Uh, at the end of a, it's Thursday, you've mm -hmm. uh, presumably worked all day. You're gonna go home and what do you smoke? How do you, how do you smoke? I end up smoking out of a nice uh, glass, you know, multi-filtered, uh, I guess it's a bong. Um, I prefer joints though, definitely is still my favorite. Okay. Um, the, it, it brings in the social aspect of cannabis. And it does, To yeah. truly get all the flavor and effects out of it that you want. Um, I mean, you're basically running a vaporizer when you have a joint. You've got a nice little heated end that pulls <laughs> hot air over the cannabis and it's just a perfect self. Uh, but you can't deny that it's not nearly as healthy for you, correct? Oh, of course not, yeah. no. I mean, yeah, you're burning stuff and inhaling. Yeah. So uh, yeah. yeah, I totally understand it's not as healthy. Um, I love joints as well too, yeah. uh, but I realized that my lungs feel a little heavier yep. as a result, particularly like the next morning. Oh, yeah. uh, and it's also not efficient. <laughs> you smoke a lot of weed when you roll joints. You do, you do. Um, but but again, uh, for me, it's, it's, it's the flavor yeah. and the experience. Um, yeah. And, and there's, there's something about combining all the elements together and, and fusing it with fire, you know, that's, that's just a, that's a beautiful thing to There's do. There's so. some irony in someone as technical as you <laughs> preferring the most non-technical way to consume cannabis. Well, I also have a PAX 2 in my pocket, so, okay. you know, okay. I, I mean, uh, I'm about gadgets and stuff too, but, right. um, but if you ask me, you know, what, what's my what's favorite? What's your go-to? Yeah. It's going to be a joint. It's my favorite every Got time. It. Always have you one. tried a vape exhale? Uh, I haven't tried, well, you know, no, I haven't. Vape Exhale is basically a combination of a vaporizer and a bong together. Really? Yeah, it's fantastic. I highly recommend you check that out. Uh, like you need to filter the vape? Like it's like a base that has uh, like a, um, what's it called? Is that uh, what you smoke out of? Is sometimes, it, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a go-to piece of mine. Nice. And then it has like a glass head on it. So it actually vapes through water and through like a bubbler. See, that's way too much filtration for me. I feel like if you're going to vape already, then like you're already leaving out so much and then you're going to run it through water. Um, yeah, I don't think... No. Certainly there are many terpenes that die in the process. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they, they die, but... Yeah, maybe yeah. that's the wrong. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about bubbling vape. That seems, uh, that seems like an interesting experience. <laughs> I, don't, I haven't tried that. Before. I have a volcano as well. You know, I, mean, I, I was like skeptical. Vaping, so. Yeah, it, I was skeptical. Yeah. Uh, the volcano is no fun at all. Like, yeah. I just don't think it's fun. Really? You know? Yeah. Oh, I man. mean, you, you get very <laughs> medicated. Yep. But it's like this big bag, and you know, I want to yep. smoke something. Yeah. Like that. 
Anyway, Apex Hill. We have to come over and try I would totally, to yeah, I would love to check it out. It sounds cool. I mean, it, it sounds like probably the smoothest thing. Ever. It is. It's super smooth. Yeah. It's super smooth. <laughs> well, Dave, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, man. Thanks for being on. Nice Absolutely. to meet you. You as well. And uh, good luck to you. I'm going to go look up some strains. Yeah, man. CannabisReports.com. Yep. CannabisReports.com. You want to plug anything else? Your Twitter? Or uh, I mean, no. You can follow us. Uh, all of our Twitter and Facebook and everything are all at the bottom of our website. And um, definitely check out our new um, Cannabis Studies section, um, which is pretty cool. We have 365 academic studies on 99 different conditions. Um, super helpful for people getting into cannabis. So Awesome. Well, thanks for watching, guys. We are everywhere that content is consumed. iTunes, YouTube. Uh, what else? SoundCloud, Instagram, anywhere you want to look, we're there. Thanks to Gateway for hosting us. The class starts in two weeks. It's going to be dope, guys. And uh, thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. Investing in cannabis is 100% independent media. That means there's no parent company. We don't have anybody telling us what to do. But in order to maintain that, I, I need you. Uh, so there's this great startup called Patreon in San Francisco, uh, and they allowed you to donate a little bit of money every month, five, 10, 20 bucks, uh, to help support the creators, us, Investing in Cannabis, of this great content that you love to watch. Even if you, you aren't in a position to come out to the world or you've got a conservative job, uh, if, if you're smoking cannabis, if you're enjoying it, uh, just you know, donate a little bit of money to us anonymously. And it's just your little way to stay connected to the industry, even if you can't shout it from the rooftops yet. Now, you know, just give five, ten bucks a month. I mean, you're, you're buying that weed anyways. And we're giving away free stuff. Uh, this episode, we got a nice pot of coffee t-shirt here, so if you want that. Uh, let's see what else we have. We got the coffee version. We got some CBD stuff as well. So if you don't want to get high at work, maybe just drinking some coffee. So head over to patreon.com slash investing in cannabis. It gives you a chance to invest in cannabis.